Hello and welcome to the Build Up Podcast presented by Sports is a Job. My name is Colby Castillo and I am one half of the podcast. How's it going, everyone? My name is Max Simpson and I am the other half of the podcast. Each episode, join us pitch side to hear the boots on the ground stories from those helping to grill the beautiful game. We hope you join us weekly as we talk about the game that you call football, footy, soccer, whatever you call it. We hope you join us weekly. And if you are not already, please follow us on Twitter at The Build Up Pod. And now on The Build Up Podcast. It's Steve Hamlin. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Build Up Podcast, where we bring on people within the soccer industry or the football or the footy, whatever you want to call it. This is the podcast where we talk about that beautiful game and the people in it. My name is Colby Castillo, and I'm one half of the podcast. Hey, folks, how's it going? My name is Max Simpson, and I am the other half of the Build Up Podcast. Uh, Really going to enjoy our guest today. Um, He has worked in soccer for quite a while now, Uh, lots of different places, uh, different organizations, and really has uh, a really cool background. So I'm just going to stop talking. I'm going to turn it over to our guest, Steve Hamlin. Steve, how are you doing, man? What's up, fellas? How are we doing today? All right. Yeah, all things considered, we are we're doing the best we can. I think everyone's kind of adjusting to it, and it's yeah. now. I think I mean, for me, it's now week two of quarantine, so it's um, work from home. So it's definitely still an adjustment. Um, I I I'm, I know we we're talking about earlier, but I'm just you know I'm meal prepping, made me made meatloaf for three weeks, so we are uh, we are ready. We are ready. <laughs> I've ordered Taco Bell three times in about 10 days. So there's, <laughs> there's two different types of people on this podcast. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I the made dino chicken of the world, And then there's <laughs> the meat loves the world. And then there's the, the dino. Chicken nugget quesadillas <laughs> is how we do it. But let's start oh off. God. We got to begin with, you know, you, you got this passion up and people don't see it at home. But from the video, you got a bunch of soccer stuff um, hanged up. You got an NWSL shirt on. Where did this passion for soccer come? If you could tell us maybe a story, a certain moment you remember particularly, um, just kind of tell us where this passion for the game of soccer came from. Yeah, so I think the the 2010 World Cup for me was like that that moment where I was starting to pay attention to it. Uh, I was a baseball fan for many years, big Yankees guy. Um, go to 10, 20 games a year, sit there, you know, have the chili cheese fries, chill, all that good stuff. Um, but then the 2010 World Cup was the first one I remember that was like, mar- like marketed well to us. It was the first one that really had hype to it. And then that, um, I know it sounds corny, but that Lennon Donovan goal against Algeria was like <laughs> that's that's the um the moment for me when i was when i was like it's i i'm not a baseball fan anymore i no other sports matter to me i don't think this level of excitement can be replicated in any american sport at all so from then it's it's soccer and everything else comes second and third and fourth and fifth. <laughs> 
Yeah. Amen, man. No, that's not corny at all. It's the, that's the same moment I had too. like, I played soccer. I played soccer since I was four and stuff. And I like kind of loosely followed along, but it was watching that 2010 world cup, that goal. And just like hopping up with like my two buddies on the couch. And we're just like, we're inside, (laughs) like my, we're inside, like my house. I'm like 2010. What is that? Oh gosh. I was like, what? 14 at the time. No, 15. Yeah. 15 or whatever. I'm just like, Mm. we're just like in my house and we're just like, these like three teenagers just like hugging and jumping up and down like let's go let's go and it's just it's like there's nothing else that uh can really produce that it's kind of it's kind of wild so no i i feel you i also agree that that one was marketed particularly well like i don't really remember like 2006 or 2002 mm. like that kind of marketing or anything like that but i think it was also really cool to bring that aspect to south africa and like a place where people don't really like consider soccer or like don't really know much about it. I think that's the, a lot mm. of the beauty of the global aspect to it. You really does reach every corner of the world. I bought some Vuvuzelas off eBay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I totally forgot about the Vuvuzelas. Like that was like the biggest thing in every single sporting event, like a worldwide for like the next year. And people, <laughs> people, you, you were very opinionated on, I think probably 90% of the people couldn't stand this stuff. Well, you got I only threw them out like three years ago too. I, I had them in here forever. Vuvuzela is like, think of like a trumpet, right? But it's like six feet long and purely made out of plastic. And it just makes this high pitched like whining sound the entire time. And any game you turned on 2010 World Cup is just like... Ian Ian Dark, bless his soul, is just trying to try trying to talk <laughs> over these goddamn things. And all you hear in the background is just like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just just the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean that atmosphere, you yeah. know, it's interesting because I did see it. There was a Twitter video that you reposted, Steve, where the whole stadium was singing along with the three little birds song. The whole ah, yeah, was, nice uh, video, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get that chills like i'm not even a soccer fan i always i could that wasn't the game was still going on but they were singing it and i got this rush of emotion and, and chills within me mm. but it's so different for me because you know before we got on the podcast and it's well established now i think by now uh, max is a soccer fan i'm not the soccer fan so i don't really have experience with the game of soccer but how do we grow it? I mean, how do you get people into those stadiums, right? I mean, if we get people in stadiums and we show them the atmosphere of the game and this beautiful game, then maybe we can win them over. But I think that's the issue in the first place is that we can't get people to watch um, MLS games or NWSL games or crossover games from international. So what is it that we do to get them in there, do you think? Um, I think it's just being as creative as possible, to be honest, which is – which is why I, I do my best on the social media route because that's sometimes how you lasso people in. Um, and you see, you see it from all aspects of the pyramid, like Las Vegas lights literally drop money from a helicopter to get people. It, it's it like from, you have to be creative, but you can't be corny in a way. Because the American consumer knows when you're just trying to like lasso them into something and grab $30 from them. It's, 
American soccer clubs have to really do the legwork to create a special product and something that people can relate to because people relate to like the Yankees or the Cubs or the Mavericks or whatever partially because they've been around forever and it's it's this long-standing institution like oh my dad was a fan of X and my mom was a fan of Y so therefore I did this whatever and we're we're still we're still in this rapid growth of the actual professional game obviously soccer's been around since you know the turn of the 20th century but it's a matter of bringing that sense of community and bringing that sense of like togetherness to a consumer base that doesn't really have experience with that like if you turn on european soccer game that like that fan togetherness is not here in the u.s in in any of the of the American sports, like you don't have an ultras basketball, you don't you don't have flares or like Dirk Nowitzki songs in the Dallas Mavericks arena. So it's showing them like it's almost like showing them an alternative way of sports, which for a lot of people they just go ah the soccer they pass on boring I don't I don't do it I can't do it I don't want that. But it's, it's the feelings of like getting that deeper commitment to a sport and to a team that like that's that for me is what, what gets me going when I have like a job and it's hey, build brand awareness, build brand loyalty and that's that's when I'm like, all right, it's time to it's time to work on this. That's yeah. what it is for me. And I, I I do have to talk about it's just interesting because I don't see it from the football, American football or basketball side. And I was scrolling through Twitter and you're seeing that there's these Twitter fan pages that are for clubs across the ocean um, that they have like U.S. fan bases, U.S. Twitter, um, mm. you know, to Twitter profiles. And it's just interesting in that way. So let's go to your personal journey and let's talk about, you know, if you could tell everybody what it is that you currently do in the game um, and what it is you do day to day for that. Yeah, so my main, my main like my my day job, as they say, uh, is in digital media. I do work for Match Like Two Americas, who has a couple different clients across the world. The main focus is on Schalke, growing their fan base in the U.S., uh, activating their sponsors, stuff like that. Uh, I also do some work for NWSL, doing anything from write-ups to live game tweeting, to X, Y, Z, uh, anything on the digital media side for them. Um, I'm still partially involved in the Cosmos a little bit. Uh, we got to wait for them to register to really get everything structured there. But uh, mainly my day-to-day is NWSL, which in a normal atmosphere, I would be trying to create written content, work on brand strategy, stuff like that. And then Match IQ uh, every day is just for our clients is how do we build their footprint in the U.S. And mine, mine is mainly through digital and brand activation. So that's, that's kind of the current setup, mm-hmm. what's going on in my life. 
So you talked about being creative is, is a key way for American soccer organizations to grow bigger. And then you also talked about you're in that part uh, of your day-to-day job is to help with brand activations. So your side of things, if you could think about, you know, what brands out there that maybe so- the American soccer organizations aren't associated with now that they could associate with and would put them in a key position to really um, be bigger than they actually are today. You mean like a brand collaboration? Like yeah, like a brand, like, like a brand collaboration. Like, is there certain companies, for example, like if they collabed with like Puma, which I think soccer already does, but like what, mm. how, you know, is there a certain strategy? Is there a certain brand that you think if they paired with would take them over the top within the um, normal American consumers? I don't think it's a matter of like, I don't think the brand so much, well, the, the brand obviously matters. The mm-hmm. brands have weight to them and Puma's marketing budget is different than Icarus or whatever. But it's a matter of like partnering with a brand that gets you out of the box in a way. Like if you look at Oakland Roots, right they um they're partnered with oaklandish obviously their retail shop out there and the nike kits that they make are like it's it's a template obviously but nike allows them to like have a rainbow sponsor and rainbow letters on the back oaklandish like oaklandish with their with the merch that they do there's there's no there's no team in the country that pimps out merch like that it's ridiculous fire it is so damn good it is there it is beautiful like you got so colby they have like um basically it's their their crest everything it's like this giant like black like tree but it's like rain but it's got like this rainbow flow to it and it's just like it's so well done because like oakland and like the teams on area and just kind of the culture it's just like you know it's like that color of like you know black it's like powerful and yet it also has like the rainbow kind of like mm. showing everyone can you know take part in all that it's dope it, it they do fantastic merch i didn't mean to tangent but i was like i i had to shout them out yeah, it's, no, it's awesome they're great. shout out to tommy and all the guys out there they're they i talk to the guys, those guys a lot they do immense work they're from social to everything else is just they're, they're one of those examples where like you just you can't just get in line with everybody else and just do what everyone else does. That's it. Like, and it doesn't, it's not purely contingent on who you work with. It's mainly contingent on how you steward it. Mm-hmm. Oakland just, Oakland just does what they want to do. <laughs> they, like they do pregame concerts. They, they do pop-up shops. They pimp out tie-dye crewnecks two months before they have an actual match they just do what they want and they and their street game in oakland matches up to it and they're 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 ridiculous they do things really really well right and i think to you know go off that and touching on you know how to get like partners or brands more involved and going to your earlier point you know like how do you balance getting people to games but doing it in authentic way i mean i think it all goes back to um, you know, soccer, people know what it is in this country. It's never been stronger, but you know, it's also, you're just in a time where there's so many other, um, sports that have more of that forefront and competing with per se. So it's, I think the more that soccer can continue to like blend into 
um, you know, everyday culture, you see that happening with, you know, how soccer players really are like fantastic personalities. And yeah, you have the big ones that come across like, you know, like the Zlatan when he came in, like Carlos Vela is killing it, but there's like so many homegrown athletes in, you know, born and raised here in the States who have that story and who are able to um, tell that. And I think it's, you know, when from like a team standpoint, from a brand standpoint, like anyone who's trying to get involved, it's, you know, yeah, you want to be able to attract people to the games. And even if it is, um, you know, doing incentives to drive people there who may not go, but it all has to eventually relate back to how are we getting people's eyeballs on this to then grow them into soccer fans rather than, you know, it's good to bring people and get butts and seats and whatnot, but you then want to make sure they continue to come for the actual game and for what's actually going on. And, you know, while it's good to use like those promotions and all that, you want the base to be what's actually going on on the field and the players. Yeah. The club, the club and the sporting side and the base of that on the other side of it is just as important as anything that I do. That's that's for the sporting department. (laughs) The the head coaches can have fun with that one. I look at it from a standpoint of someone who's not a big soccer fan. Right. And I look at, American soccer leagues, uh, what is it, MLS and NWSL or mm. any other organizations. And I think a lot of people think about American soccer as not at the same level as the international leagues. For, so, for example, like the NFL, like that's considered the top American football league in the world. Like these are the high-class athletes. Um, NBA, world-class athletes, the top basketball league in the world. And you guys can fill me on this. But I was thinking about it. Do we, does the U.S., do we do crossover games with the leagues across internationally? Like, could that be something where, like, what if our, one of our number one MLS team played the number one team in, like, I don't know, the Italian lead or something, and we ended up beating them? Like, does that make the image of the American soccer leagues better? Because I just, you know, I kind of think of it as just, I don't think people really watch the American soccer league because it's not considered you know, the best lead in the world. The thing, the thing for us is that like the culture of this country is so geared towards we have to be the best. And if I'm not watching the best in a way then I'm not the best. So then what's, what's the point? Like when I was in my time in the cosmos, there's so many, there's so many people that I've just talked to about the cosmos. Like if I, Back in 2017, when we were at MCU Park, I could sell you on a Cosmos game for six hours. But, like, some of my closest friends were like, oh, it's you play in the MLS, right? I could see, uh, like, Terry Henry is going to come through, right? First off, Terry's been retired for four years, so let's forget that, whatever. But um, it's this whole thing of soccer inherently is different because there's Division One, Division Two oh, there's no other divisions. Are you better than the other ones? It's a whole, it's, Americans inherently get so wrapped up in, is this the best? How does this compare? Like, can somebody beat Ronaldo? So it's a double-edged sword because I think you have to convince a consumer that it almost doesn't matter. Like, don't, don't start looking to England or Italy when you're just supporting something down the road from you. It's, you have to sell it as in I'm proud to be from like X city. X city has a soccer team 
that represents my city in a non like in a genuine fashion and gives back to the community etc i'm gonna go support them and then that let's just say that team has an academy product and your cousin grew up with that kid etc and then it's it's a deeper commitment and you're not even worried about oh can kevin at left back guard ronaldo like it doesn't matter because i'm i'm in my bubble right here i'm supporting the community and this kid is representing my city the double-edged sword because that on one hand there's that and on the other hand mls all-stars every year play Bayern munich they play juventus they play i think last year was atletico madrid and in a way sometimes when mls also beat that team Every, uh, everyone in the MLS community is like, we did it. We're there. Let's go. Did you see how David Alva couldn't get past us? Let's go. We're there. And so it really is a double-edged sword and a weird thing to figure out. But for for my job, at least, I just try to stay on the fact that, like, you have to grow what you have and you have to just hit the pavement every day and grow – what we have for what it is and just not stay in your lane, but create your own lane in a way and try and make people not worry about the Chelsea's of the world, et cetera. Yeah, no, amen. Absolutely. It's, you know, uh, using an analogy, like you got to walk before you run, you know, you gotta, there are through not only MLS, but you know, USL championship, USL league one, USL league two, independent clubs, indoor, there's all uh, there's, probably most people I probably it probably wouldn't be too much to it probably wouldn't be too uh, far-fetched to say that probably everyone lives within like it's not everyone but you know I'd say the majority of people in this country probably live within I'd say around an hour or so of like some club they can watch you know if you're not in the middle of nowhere mm. America like you're able to go to and support a professional team and that's a really cool opportunity and I think you know going to Steve's point it is just learning to you know support what you have and building up that culture and seeing your team grow because I think sometimes the best clubs you see I mean you could say the same thing in England where they're in their third fourth division it's like that's clearly not the Premier League it's not the best by any means but man those people are diehard and it all starts with you know taking at the very like small level, like, okay, we're going to be invested in our players, invested in our club, like going from there. And I think that's, that is how you grow it. I mean, and on the women's side, I mean, the NWSL is like, it's really not even close, like the best women's league in the world. So it's, it's like in terms of a talent, in terms of a talent aspect for that, like that is, that is like the best place to see these female athletes. Mm -hmm. And it's my pitch. I'm going to make a pitch out there is, Somebody bring a damn soccer team, football team, or basketball team to the state of Hawaii because the minute you bring a professional <laughs> organization to us in the middle of the ocean, I guarantee, I guarantee our state will be supporting them in and out every single day. We'll pack the house, the stadium, every single damn game. So somebody out there bring a damn soccer, football, basketball, baseball organization to, the, to my home state of Hawaii. Well, let's get back you, to... You can find a billionaire to, to cover those <laughs> travel costs, my guy. Let's go. Mark, man, uh, Mark Zuckerberg lives out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, fun, fun fact, Colby. Uh, I have a buddy back home 
uh, he played on the same club soccer team as Marcus Mariota. And he told me that this dude, like six, four center back, just straight up on corners, is like grab like 20 goals in a season, just purely off corner kicks. Cause he's like, he's like head and shoulders above everyone else. And he's such an athlete. He's just, he's like his vertical. He's like seven and a half feet, just absolutely <laughs> destroying everyone. This dude who goes on to be Heisman winner and a, and a second overall draft pick, like insane. He's on the league. Oh, he's o- uh, Oakland Raider. He's with the Oakland Raiders now. Wait, really? Oh, I yeah. thought. Oh, I know. I know he wasn't coming back with Tennessee, but oh man, just recently, okay. just recently, I think last week oh, he signed a you know whole free agent thing going on. So yeah, I think yeah. he's with. I, I believe he's with the Oakland Raiders now. Oh no, no, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now. Oh, Las Vegas. <laughs> so, sorry, after the Las Vegas oh, Raiders okay. now. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> well, let's get back to your journey, Steve. About you working in the soccer industry. Um, where did you get your start in your career? And then how did you end up getting your, you know, your job that you have right now? Cause I did see that, you know, match IQ, the America, um, headquarters is ran by the former New York Cosmos and Red Bull, New York, um, Eric Stover. So was that a connection that got you in? Um, how did you get that job? Yeah. So let's, let's bring it back a bit. Um, I initially thought I was going to be a music teacher when I came out of high school, which is, when I when I look at it now, it's the most ridiculous thing. Um, I spent a year a year in music school in Fredonia. Shout out to the Blue Devils. No one's ever heard of that school. If you are, I'll Venmo you twenty bucks. Um, and came back home. I they ran, they ran me out of town in Fredonia and told me never to come back. No, I'm kidding. I just had like a two point six GPA and was like, I, I don't think I could do this. So came back home, did the did the typical community college thing for a year. Um, that's when a couple of friends of mine were starting a Cosmos podcast, and they said, "Oh, hey, we have to do some writing and stuff. Do you want to take photos?" And I was like, "I picked up a Nikon D thirty three hundred, which is like." twenty dollars more expensive than a point and shoot camera, like a minute ago. I said, okay, you know, screw it. I'll do that. Um, So I spent, it was mainly through photography and doing a little bit of writing for this podcast for about a, about two years or so. Um, Got really close with a lot of the front office. Me and Eric have had a good relationship for years. Um, Got to know a lot of players over the years, stuff like that. Um, Then I... Through, through that, you know, when you become part of the soccer community, so-called, especially in a place like New York, you start going to more events, like you meet more people. And uh, that's where I met, you got, I think Max, I think you've talked to him, Willie, from who used to work for the Red Bulls. I met him before, I met him like my junior year at St. John's. Um, I transferred to St. John's after community college. Um, and then I did a study abroad in, uh, in Leeds, Leeds, England, shout out to Leeds Beckett. Um, towards the end of that semester, my advisor called me and said, Hey, um, dude, you need an internship. You're graduating in a year. You need an internship. What's going on? And I was like, okay, it's time to hit the pavement, whatever. Um, then Willie, bless his heart, stuck his neck out for me and said, Hey, um, this guy could do really well in the digital department, et cetera. 
So in the summer of what year was that? Wow. 2018, I think, moved back, um, immediately had an interview with them and was in their internship program summer of 2018, which, uh, which was fantastic. Met a lot of great people there. Um, and then from there, from there, I took a bit of a break because when I got out of the internship, it was September. No one's getting a sports job in September and I was still in college. So from there, I had took a bigger role with this organization called Gotham Soccer League in the city. It was pretty much amateur. Not not amateur in terms of like, oh, these seventh division guys. Amateur as in like bankers and guys who work at the coffee shop pay $150 and like go play in a league in Brooklyn. Like that type of amateur. Um, so I did digital with them for a while, ran their leagues for a while. Um, basically was just one of those college kids just trying to figure it out. I Obviously, at that point, I was like, sports Sports is the way. I'm not turning back now. Um, kept on doing photography, did some freelance stuff for the Cosmos. Actually worked, uh, funny enough, I did the 2017 NWSL final for Copa 90 US during this whole time, uh, which is kind of a funny thing now that I'm actually working for the NWSL. Um, so Gotham lasted like nearly a year and that fried me out to no belief because I didn't really get a sports management degree to get calls from people to say hey my ref's not here this that the other thing which is operations I, some of the best people I know work in operations God bless them I love them to death I, I pray for their the strength of their hearts because it is one of the most stressful, ridiculous jobs in this entire sports industry. If you ever, if you ever see a guy in operations and at Minnesota or at Reno, give him a hug, buy him a drink. They're, they're some of the most amazing and strung out people I've ever met in my life. Um, so when I was coming to towards the end of Gotham, uh, good good colleague of mine from the NASL where the Cosmos used to play and Matt Levine was at, at the Cosmos. So I'd been around knowing people for years and that's when they're in the NPSL. NPSL was sort of, for lack of a better term, NPSL was basically no rules. It was just, we have to find a way to keep going and build out a department and all that stuff. So I, I worked alongside him for a bit. Uh, did some game work, did photos. Again, some of my favorite people in the world from that uh, NPSL team. Uh, guys like Matt Lewis, who's in Detroit now. Guys like Emmanuel Sombroni. Um, NPSL, God, God bless that league. Low division stuff is ridiculous. I love it. Um, and at that point, I had reconnected with Eric, actually, um, because he's interim COO, I believe is his role now. Um, and then he told me about this project. He's starting with Match IQ. said, if I want some more hours on the side, you know, ramp it up a little bit. And I joined them September of 
September of last year, I believe, is that when I started with that. And at the same time, <laughs> funny enough, Matt had said, hey, NWSL needs like a couple more freelance guys, a little bit more work on the side. Do you want to do that? I was like, yeah, why not? Let's, let's just see where this goes. So the end of 2019 was sort of this spinning plate for me where I was like, I have all these little part-time opportunities on a stick and let's see which one falls first, which one happens. Um, and I left Gotham semi-recently. So that um, that's kind of in the rear view mirror. So now it's sort of been whirled down to NWSL and Match IQ. So that is somehow I've ended up <laughs> in this in this moment of my life going from five jobs in the last year to two now. <laughs> That's a, it's amazing. And, you know, I want to reread you a tweet that you kind of tweeted out about this whole transition where you had like this uh, screen recording on Twitter where you were changing your bio and you said, in ah, yeah. you know, if you told me this would be my bio when I was at the South Community College, without a hint to do with my laugh, I would have laughed at you. So how does it make you feel now that you, you, you know, you were saying you're doing all these different things, you went through this journey and now you kind of where you are at now. And obviously I'm sure, you know, you have a lot more goals and a lot more aspirations, but it's also good to really reflect because you didn't know you were going to go down this path. You thought you were going to be a music teacher at one point. So how does it make you feel reflecting it? Dude, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the stuff, the stuff that I get to do on a daily basis is like I am so lucky to work in this ridiculous fun stay up to 1am jotting down ideas industry um, to think that I could do anything else is probably you know just an afterthought it's a point of where like in 2017 genuinely for the NWSL I was, I was at that final and I was what? I think I just transferred <coughs> to St. John's. And at the 2017 finals, like, there's some way that I'm going to work for this league. Like, I, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do for them. I don't know if I'm just going to freelance for Sky Blue or some small thing like that. But I'm, I'm going to work for this league. I don't care what I'm going to do. And lo and behold, the 2019 final, I'm behind the stick of, at NWSL, you know, cutting highlights going crazy when it's 4-0 it's after, what, one half or whatever the hell that crazy final was. Um, it was on, I drank like three cups of coffee to stay up for that. It was ridiculous. But, yeah, it's – I am I'm incredibly lucky to do what I'm doing now, and it's, it's awesome, man. Max knows, like, it, it'll frustrate you. It'll, like – there'll be days when you're, like, why can't I just have like a nine to five and just relax and like just send reports. There's some days where I'm like, I'd love to be just the send report guy and just at five o'clock, just go home. Be like, all right, it's all good. See you later. But I, I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade in the stuff for the world. Oh, for sure. No, I hear you, man. It's the, it's the day when the, the other duties as a sign, it's like, shit's like, <laughs> like 20 things long. I'm like, Bro, you could have just spelled it out. You'd have to say other duties as a sign. But no, for real, it's uh I hear on that. There's it's definitely rewarding and those uh 
those moments where you're like, what the, f like it's, you have to pinch yourself sometimes for sure. Um, let me ask you, cause I know, you know, talking, you're saying, you know, doing the transition from, you know, want to be a music teacher and transitioning into soccer. So I'm curious to hear that and any advice you can give to someone who's like completely out of the space. And then I'd also like to touch on, you know, you did also make the jump once you were already in soccer from like operations with Gotham into more of like a digital um, role, you know, with NWSL and, you know, the work that you do with Match IQ. So if you could talk to us about both of those kind of phases and, you know, if you're able to, you know, really like hone in on any of the skills or any, any advice you can give, because, you know, you see a lot of people, they break in and okay, like cool, we're in, but don't know what the next step is. If, if people want to do something different, how did they get to that point? Yeah. So the thing, so I'll go with the, with the, how do you break in first? I, I know I'm going to sound like Gary Vee. Uh, some people are going to love that. Some people are going to tell me to shut the hell up, but it's really, it truly is a matter of your, your ground game and the, people that you meet all the time you have to like you just have to keep calling people and keep meeting people and trying to at the end of the day it really just is that the what value can you add like anyone will take a shot for you if they say hey steve like i've known steve for a while he's um, like he's done really great work with other people I have this event I need covered. Let's give Steve a try. And unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, I can't really, some people say unfortunately, I say fortunately. Um, I've kind of, in the early years, I sort of tuned out money. And I like, do you think, uh, do you think an independent podcast for an NASL team made money? <laughs> no, there's no way, no. Do you think a, how old was I at the time? I was 18 at the time. Somebody goes, hey, you have a chance to get a press credential and at Fordham to shoot a U.S. Open Cup match against NYCFC. Like, all right, well, I guess I'm spending my $30 that I earned this week to go to, to go to the Bronx. Here we go. Screw it. It's like, it's a double-edged sword because I, I can't just sit here and say, oh, just screw money. Who cares? Like, have fun. Just, you know, make sure your ground game is good and then it'll pay off in a while. I, I'll be honest, my credit card debt at points from just like freelancing, bad. <laughs> my, my accounts over the years until this year, not good, man. When I worked the 2017 NWSL final, I got a Frontier Airlines flight the day of 7.45 in the morning. From from Eastern, like, where's the airport? East Islip, out here in Long Island. Went down to Orlando, worked the game, stayed in a $87 hotel, fly back the, the like, 7.45 the next morning. And I made, like, $10 because Copa US said, we'll pay you 200 for it. And I was like, okay, let me see what my margins are on this. I made 10 bucks with food and everything it's not it's this breaking in is not for one the faint of heart or two 
people who aren't willing to lose money on it because you can't just walk up to to NYCOC and say, hey, I'd like an intern. I like, I'd like a job, please. I'm going to send you in the internship department. Is the internship department going to uh, give you enough free meals to make it worth it? Who knows? But it's it's a harsh reality where it's like you got to it, – it almost is the Gary Vee, like, hustle mentality. Like you have to – for the opening part of it, you have to make it work somehow. Like, I – the the Red Bull internship, I was Will, Willie was an absolute saint to me and took care of me beyond belief. But the fact of the matter was, I live in Long Island. The Red Bulls train in somewhere in western New Jersey. For me, if he calls me two days before and says, Hey, on Friday I need you at nine AM at the Red Bull facility, that means at seven AM I I'm getting up, I'm grabbing an espresso, and I'm driving two hours to Red Bull to Red Bull's training facility to shoot photos and then go home. That's that's not glorifying work. And that's not there's tolls. There's there's additional costs. There's opportunity costs too. It's it's not just this one thing where you just wake up and you're a ticket salesman for five minutes and then someone in the digital department buys you lunch and it's like, all right, here we go. It's a matter, it really is a matter of like blood, sweat and tears, make sure you have good relationships with people and if you seem like a person of value, like let's go. It's, the early years are definitely, anyone, anyone graduating from college with a sports management degree, God bless them. Like you gotta, you really have to, do do the grunt work because for me like the the podcast that started at all I was sophomore junior senior college my weekends were spent at Cosmos games I was talking to people I was sending photos to players I was talking to people in the press box that though my college years were mainly spent just hustling which is not something I really recommend to people. I was a commuter in college, so it wasn't like I missed out on much. But it's 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 a groundwork. If you ask me, oh, how did you get here today? My my off days for college were just doing soccer, doing soccer with no income for the first year or two. So it's maybe. Maybe I took the route less traveled and there's, you know, some college departments have better internship programs than my did. Or um, maybe if you do get a ticket sales job at a sporting club, it is better to have a better job that way. But for me, I saw the options out there. And like, I have to, I have to go alone. I gotta, I gotta go hit the pavement and try and make something that's that's how i got here it's just trying to meet as many people as possible and show people that this this stuff that i do on the weekends is worth something it's worth more than the bowling alley job i have so that's like that's that half of the question the other half is how did i switch over right yeah mm-hmm. um how did I switch over? 
so the Gotham thing was like my first like my first job in soccer pretty much I was like starting the whole going games on the weekends shooting photos whatever you need money like you literally do need income to do all these things so ticket I think a ticket sales guy that's that was his job at the time excuse me um named Nick Chavez great great guy great friend of mine he says um if anyone wants to help me launch a soccer league in, in uh, I think the Rockaways, I don't remember where the hell the place was. Let's just give me a call. I go, dude, I need money. What's going on? Because we're going to run an amateur soccer league out of this high school football facility, which was next to an energy plant. It was one of the weirdest, sincerely one of the most random places on Long Island. God bless anyone that put up with me during these years. He goes, Every, at least every Monday, Wednesday, just set up tones, take some photos, get paid some hourly rate, which to me felt like $1,000 a day. It's probably only minimum wage, looking back on it. Um, and just like help running the thing. Okay, that's fine. That league lasted one fall season. That was it. We lost the permit and... Nick said, well, all right, well, that was fun. I'll see you later. I'm going to go back to the Cosmos. Okay, cool. Well, that was, that was fun for a couple months. But I've been noticed to me that league also ran leagues in New York City. 11v11, 9v9, uh, women's leagues, etc. The guy, the guy who ran the New York City operations called me up and said, hey, you're pretty good at this. Like, can you stick on and like do more stuff in the city? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so that slowly became my actual way of making money. The way of like buying lunch was go on the weekends to New York City, like run field operations, etc. That was that was the gig for a while, and then like all the digital media stuff was on the side. So when I got to Red Bull, it was sort of this thing like, all right, my career is going two paths: it's the digital media stuff. Or I just stick on with Gotham for a while. Obviously, the timing wasn't right with um, league seasons and where I was in college, whatever. So it was just pure Gotham. But like, keep a keep an eye on like photography and digital media stuff on the side, and do that stuff with Gotham, obviously. So, in a way, it almost wasn't a trend. It wasn't a transition per se. I just kept the option open the whole time as I did more stuff with Gotham. I was always on the side, like taking photos somewhere or looking out for a little freelancing, stuff like that. So it wasn't, it really wasn't so much a transition, just I'm keeping this plate up in the background and just seeing if it goes somewhere, but also doing stuff with Gotham. So it's this weird thing where I kept it around while I was doing operations, but when an opportunity came in digital media, I was like, okay, it's time to it's time to just take it and like try and change. So I can relate. It's interesting because you know you mentioned Gary V. I don't know if you're a follower or you you know you you're um, you like what he says, but for me, um, I think about 
you know, the internships I did in college, all of it was I caught bus rides, the public bus transportation for three hours where I live in the opposite mm. side of the island and would wake up two hours earlier than I should have to and bus it all the way down. But it's interesting because everyone in the, in the sports industry, not just soccer in general, I see that they go through these rough patches, right? You talk about, I'm not going to be paid that much. I got, I get, I get paid minimum wage. I work over 40 hours a week. I mean, this is my life. I don't have a nine to five job, but people are so willing to go through it because it's what they love. It's their passion of, I love sports. I love what it's all about. So let me go through it. Um, but it's just so interesting because I found Gary V like his content in September of last year. And then mm-hmm. in November of 2019, I launched a podcast called sports is a job. And that's how Max and I met is I reached out to him to be on a guest. I interview a bunch of people within the sports industry from interns to executives. And within three months, people, uh, people took a liking to it. You know, it was something for me. I purely do it out because I want to network. I want to tell the great stories of people like you, Steve. And, you know, I don't get paid for it. I don't get paid mm. to do any of it. But a lot of it, I spend booking guests. I spend networking with people. I spend putting out social media content on my page. I spend it um, editing the pod, the audio, um, doing these podcast recordings. And then now here it is. I branched off into three or four more podcasts. Now I have, you know, Max is doing this podcast with me. I have three other podcasts that's built around storytelling. But I wouldn't change it for the world just because, you know, I love doing it. And of course, I'm working full time at a college athletic department because at the end of the day, sure, you know, we want to talk about passions and doing things because we love for it or we'll do it for free. But you have to have money to live. I mean, it's it's just the way the world yeah. works. I mean, you can't pay. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I have a lot of passion for sports. Will that pay my rent? No, you got to figure out a way to make it work. Like you can't get, yeah. you can't go to to your landlord and Hey buddy, but I don't get paid, but I do what I love. What do you think about, you know, <laughs> They're giving me a free month of rent, free month rent, but it just doesn't work that way. So I, I admire everything you've talked about. I admire the fact that you're being real when you're tell you talk about your journey that like it, it gets rough, dude, you're going to go home making $10. I mean, it's not going to be um, the best of both worlds, but hopefully at the end of the day, uh, after this, you know, 10 year journey where you're laying the groundwork, where you're doing the things that most people don't want to do you'll get where you want to go and you're happy and you're getting paid for what you, what you're doing. So I think that's, you know, it's a beautiful story. And I just, you know, I just have to say thank you for being real with everybody about what that struggle is. Yeah, man, you gotta, you just gotta be honest. Cause like, if, um, I, I don't know, do, you, do both of you guys have sports management degrees? I do. Yeah. Um, when, when I was when I was getting my degree, it was there's two things that really struck me. One, everyone was just like, "Have fun getting a ticket sales internship. We've got a bunch. Have fun. It'll 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 be great. Have fun working for the Yankees." And I was like, "There's other stuff besides selling tickets for the Yankees. Like, God bless the salespeople, but maybe." Maybe that's not how I view sports. It was that, and there's a local, I uh, cannot remember his name, but there was this local, like, News 12 broadcaster who did, like, high school lacrosse games or something. Like, a super niche, like, suburban thing, which is 
this complete like a complete Long Island guy, and he and he was in he was a speaker in my some sports writing class, I think press releases, something like that. He walks in and he's like, he put <laughs> I'll never forget this. He puts all the ho- like all the major holidays. He goes, hey, what's up, guys? Um, list all the major holidays just in in the world. I'm like, what do you think they are? I'm like, oh yeah, Easter, Christmas, whatever. He turns to us and goes. Which one of these guys do you think you'll you'll have off? Like when you work in sports, like do you, do you want to celebrate Easter? And some kid in the back goes, like, Yeah, you know, Catholic. I'd really like to go to Easter Mass. Whatever he goes, he <laughs> this guy was out of his mind. He just he crosses out and goes, cancel it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh shit. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> and he just he kept on doing his actually. It was literally like a scared straight program, which was half comical, but half actually talking a lot. He's just like, yeah, um, your girlfriend wants to see you on Friday night. Too bad you have the game, a game to prepare for. I'd like to see my girlfriend. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> the, guy, the guy was out of his mind, but it, was, it really was a refreshing thing because no offense to my college program, I had been, to that point, I had felt like I wasn't really fed the like actual information just like yeah when you get to a management position you know do this do that just like theory is all well and good like i do take principles that i've learned at st john's like to my daily life no doubt but (laughs) there's a point where like the facade needed to be broken just i had to be told like all right where are you going from here it's (laughs) apparently there's a 90 percent chance that i'm going to sell tickets for the rest of my life which is interesting but there's also the reality of one this is not going to be easy two you're going to have to fight for your job three cancel easter mask is apparently you can't go to that i haven't had to cancel easter yet thank god i almost had to this year but (laughs) it was close but yeah it's like i i just feel that sometimes the whole thing around the sports industry is you're a fan. Do you want to just go like shoot video content of your favorite point guard? If so, apply for a digital media internship. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that. It really isn't. Like the beginning of it is you're going to have to put in hours of work. Like at Red Bull for every MLS game, I would sit behind the goal with my, with my phone, no joke, and just like follow the action and try and get a social media clip. I, Willie, if you rewatch this, don't act like I've never been grateful for you. I, I love you and everything about Red Bull is great, but the headache you would get trying to, every MLS game, just sitting there, trying to just go like this is just mind boggling mind-boggling amount of just like focus and oh my god I have to try and get this but it's like this it's the stuff like that that leads you into okay hey go write a press release about um Aaron Long scoring for the national team go okay cool that's like more of the stuff that you think you were going to get into um it's getting into sports especially in digital is it's a huge rant with a lot of a lot of like nitpicky stuff that people don't really realize. So, yeah. 
no, absolutely. Um, I think just to t- you know, touch on your point. It's it definitely not. There are people who I've known like who haven't. I think everyone has that grind. I think you know a lot of people maybe didn't do that. Whether it's you know a little bit of luck, a little bit of like they've done other routes. Like I don't, I don't think. I think I will say I think the misconception is I think people like necessarily have to like no some people get like are fortunate or lucky and they don't have to but i think it's you're gonna talk to a a large majority of people who have like grinded who have like worked those long hours who have traveled like shoot a quick tangent on myself like i was um i did the same thing you're doing with uh arizona united before they rebranded to phoenix rising um Mm. you know like like social media internship same thing like bam just like standing behind the goal and like, you know, trying to get those celebrations doing like rearranging like the, the regulation balls before kickoff. And like, how can we make this into a cool design or like stuff like, like, yep. like trying new things like that. While also that's how I'd spend my weekends. I would then spend Monday through Friday in an, in, in both these were unpaid. I, I would spend Monday through Friday in an internship in Irvine, California. And I lit and I was staying with my grandma in Oceanside. So my dumbass was, commuting to Oceanside from to Irvine an hour there an hour back all for an unpaid internship at a sports marketing firm that I actually I I, I did not enjoy my nine weeks there it was awful um but I you actually learn I mean I think you learn a lot more from you learn a lot of things from the bad internships too but uh no anyway like it you know doing that money through Friday and then coming back to Phoenix on the weekends to work a Saturday night match and then drive back out six hours, do it all again for nine weeks in between junior and senior year. And it's like, it's something that it was a pain in the ass, but I had to do it because I didn't start until soft, like late sophomore year, even thinking about getting into sports. And so once Mm -hmm. I did, I was behind, I was behind and I only, I was only a year behind and that made such a world of difference. And, you know, I, I think, you know, that is a big part. Like you, not you may not have to do something like that or with ridiculous i hope no one does that i was an idiot for doing that but um (laughs) like you know you may not have to do that quote unquote type of grind but i think it's i think you get a lot out of it if you do if you're strategic about it and like i maybe didn't get anything full-time from those two but like that then helped me set up for other internships and my full-time job now like seeing okay well that experience led to something led to something led to something um and then i think like you said networking is huge like it really is all about who you know like you said you know you made contact with all these people you know like willie and all that who Mm -hmm. i know we're having he's scheduled to be on tomorrow so hopefully he's able to make it but um yeah uh you know stuff like that like that's how i connected with both of you guys like through like twitter and it's, mm. it's a powerful tool. And I, I think it's also for those people out there, like not only is it reaching out and networking, but then continue to network. Cause I made the mistake in the past of like, Oh, like I'll just reach out. And like, I only need to hit up someone once, maybe twice. And that's, that's a connection. Like, no, it's not, you got it. You got to be consistent every day every, and, every not ju- day. and not, and not just about, you know, like, yeah. Oh, like, you know, here's whatever, like, you know, you can, you know, if that relationship is there, you know, like, you know, and if there's that two way comfort or whatever, that's one thing, but it's just, you know, like saying what's up or like sending weird ass links or doing like, you know, just chat and like just having a casual conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And it it goes back to, I think value, like Steve was saying, like, what is the value you bring? Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's like doing things like that and whatnot, but I want to end the podcast with Steve. If you could just kind of, we do this with every guest. Um, 
if you could describe um, to someone who's not a fan of soccer, describe why soccer is such an amazing and beautiful game. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'm actually stuck on this point for a while, <clears throat> which is a point that I've been thinking about because I absolutely want to burn down VAR and throw it in the bin and make sure it's eradicated from the yes. entire species. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> this is not a VAR podcast. This is a sports <laughs> podcast. Um, <sighs> Soccer is like the most the most humane and like natural representation in sport if that makes sense like it, we're going to get like semi philosophical so please excuse me but like existence for me is like a whole theory of misanthropy like you just have an, an entirety of like people bumping up against each other and like just this constant movement but it's also a thing of like not not as not absolute but freedom in a way as in like the genuine statistical probability that anything can happen in a way and soccer for me is that is like the most representative of life in a way like, it is the most free-flowing, it is the most, like, random, in a way, absolutely random, and in a way, it's the most beautiful thing because it mirrors the day-to-day life in that sense. I don't know if I sound like a complete idiot just now, or if this makes perfect sense, but I've been, I've been trying to wrestle with this fact because VAR, in a way, is, like, this overcorrection of a thing that's like most equatable to day-to-day life for me personally. So I think that's the reason that I've slight tangent gone against VAR because it's like in everyday life, every, every part of everyday life is so overcorrected and saying like, Oh, this rule, that rule, this has to go here, the markets, whatever the hell. And football for a long time for me has been just like, oh, everything's free-flowing. It's all good. This right back, for some reason, is now able to hit a 30-yard goal. Like, we didn't know he could do that, but, like, he did it today. Cheers. Like, it's fun. Um, And VAR, for me, is, like, taking away from that which is most natural in sports. Like, oh, he did hit the 30-yarder, but it – barely touched his striker and his striker was offside and I have to take five minutes to review it. Like, no, it's just like the whole reason we love the sport is because things just happen. Like two years ago, the the ball goes in. Is the flag up? No. Okay. Here we go. Yep. Have fun. Pop, Pop smoke. It's fun. That's that. That's what the sport is for me. And to an unrelated point, that's why I hate VAR. And I, I I will campaign against it till I die. Yeah, no one. I'm completely one thousand billion infinity percent in the same in the same in the same boat. It should just you know it's just a it's a soccer is the is the most visceral sport I've ever seen. Where it's just like like it's cathartic to like just fucking yell and just like scream mm. and shoot and just like go 
insane. And it's so, it's like, it's so cringe and like the saddest thing where it's, uh, it's limited where like, it was it like the 2018 world cup. I remember it was like Germany pretty much. I think they had to win their last match in the group in order to, um, get to the knockouts and defend their, uh, world cup title. And I think they were playing Japan. I think they were playing South Japan. Korea. South, South Korea. South Korea. It was one, of, it was one of the countries, but it was, um, like they scored. And I think that made it like either two, one or three, one in like the late minutes. And like, no one celebrated from South Korea because they, um, they were like waiting on the decision mm, and it was just yeah. like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then finally they like erupted afterwards, but it's like, it's so free flowing. You can't just wait for that to happen. So yeah. I agree with you. That's why it's so beautiful. And also why I hate the bar. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah. No big, big, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to state the record. We're an anti-bar podcast. We're going to, we're going to, we're, it hasn't been said yet. We're there. Uh, but oh man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, where can people find me? Oh my God. I'm, this is a great question uh i am at steve underscore hamlin on instagram at steve hamlin 19 on the tweetosphere cool and then your venmo we remember you, I, I didn't left you off the hook you said you're gonna venmo people 20 bucks if they can no way no, <laughs> no. it's a hey, we'll put no. in the show notes we'll put in the show notes for <laughs> But no, thank you, Steve. We appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast, man. 